Amen. Thank you very much. Book of Psalms this evening, Psalm 103. Psalm 103. This is my favorite psalm. It's one to go to often. Psalm 103 and 104 very much related. They're both Psalms of David and closely tied together. But let's let's read. I'm going to concentrate on the first five verses is what I'm going to concentrate on, but I'll probably read down through verse 14. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits, who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfieth thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagle's. The Lord executeth righteousness and judgment for all that are oppressed. He made known His ways unto Moses, His acts unto the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. He will not always chide, neither will He keep His anger forever. He had not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is His mercy toward them that fear Him. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath He removed our transgressions from us. Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear Him. For He knoweth our frame, He remembereth that we are dust. Let's go ahead and pray. Father in heaven, Lord, we love you. We thank you for your word. Lord, I pray for your help. Lord, I pray that this would strengthen and encourage and draw us closer. I'm so thankful for your mercy and your grace. Lord, I pray that you'd work. Please control what I say and how I say it. May it again draw us closer to you and, 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 and do a purposeful work. Uh, that needs to be done. Lord, please, I pray that you'd use it. Lord, I pray that if there is anyone here who has never truly been converted, I pray for that conviction upon their heart and that drawing that even this evening they repent and place their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, Lord, I pray and ask all this in Christ's name. Amen. Life can be so often full of battles and difficulties. I remember the first time I'd ever heard Psalm 103 preached on. I was a teenager at a youth conference in uh, Oklahoma. I was not, a, I take that back, I was not a teenager. I was at a youth conference in Oklahoma, but I was not a teenager. I was the youth director. And uh, 
I would have been 23 years old at the time, 24 years old, and had taken you to this conference, and, and they had a man preach there one of the evening services. We usually think, if I remember, we had two preachers each service during that week, and uh, one of them that had preached, I remember all of them were pretty much incredible. The conference really was amazing that week. And uh, one of the fellows who had preached was I preached out of Psalm 103. It was the first time really the psalm grabbed a hold of me was during that sermon. And the the preacher who had preached, he was not a pastor. If I remember right, he was an evangelist that they had brought in to preach that sermon. And he was, he went through an incredibly difficult time. Um... And it was, he had gotten, he, he went into the testimony of what was taking place by way of introduction. And listening to it was heartbreaking. Um, just heartbreaking. And from there, he went and expounded on Psalm 103. And wow, things he forgot. Things he forgot about God. And that's what I want to focus on here this Evening, to forget not all his benefits. Life can be full of battles and difficulties. We all have flesh, we all have battles. One of our strongest helps, one of our strongest weapons, one of the things that protects us and helps us provide strength is a simple word we use in the Christian life, and that's called faith. Faith in God, in God, is a powerful thing. We all know that it's faith in the Lord Jesus Christ that actually leads to salvation, to a new birth in Christ, that allows for genuine conversion to take place. Faith in Christ produces the greatest miracle that is needed, a new life, being made a child of God. Faith. Faith, as we all use the expression and use can move mountains in your life, as Christ talked about. Faith, as we see in Scripture, can help you defeat the giants that you're facing. Faith can strengthen you when your world is falling apart around you. The truth is, according to Romans chapter 10, and this is very true, all men have faith. The key is faith in God. Not just in a saying, not just from a Sunday school expression, but faith in God. There are those who put their faith in science and education and find themselves many times heading to despair. There's so much that our world cannot answer. There are those who put their faith in their money only to find out it's all vanity and it leads to despair. There are those who put their faith in humanity only to be greatly disappointed in people and find themselves in despair. The key with faith, because God has given the Bible says to every man... A measure of faith. It's there. It's God-given. 
The key is faith, genuine faith in God. The Creator. The, several of the teenagers brought up, of course, the planetarium. I have loved planetarium since I've been little. You know even what, what I believe the Lord used to bring me to Christ through creation itself when I would lay down in the summer nights looking up at the stars and just amazed. So I loved planetariums. Every year throughout elementary school years, we would have a trip to a planetarium and just be amazed. And to think the God of creation that, I mean, we're the the centerpiece of this. When He created everything, it was with us in mind to have fellowship. And He's big enough, He's strong enough, He's sovereign enough that your faith in Him matters. That He knows right where you're at. So what happens to the person, I think we've all been there, who knows God, and yet all of a sudden you have trouble finding faith in Him? I think the answer is found in our text. Because certainly it's true of a believer that despair can come in. It can arrive. It can hit. It works to suppress that faith in God. Who is the answer? In Psalm 103, if you notice the wording, and it's important to understanding these verses. It's a Psalm of David. The conversation he is having is not with the children of Israel. It's with his soul. He's talking to his own soul. There are many times in life when we need that conversation with our soul. That's who you are. There are times when you have to remind yourself, your soul, of who God is and what He has done. David was a man who had some amazing, incredible experiences because of his faith in God. Amazing stuff. I mean, we all know the the famous stories with Goliath. And what amazes me about David with Goliath is, I don't believe he was ever afraid. I don't. I mean, he takes off running after the guy. He hears the giant yelling at him. And David lets him know, like in this, you you know, what is he, 16 years old? No, Goliath, he got this all wrong. What's going to happen here is I'm going to rip your head off. Because David believed he was strong. David knew he wasn't. There was no problem. This wasn't pride on David. This wasn't pride of David thinking he's super spiritual. David's faith, though, in that moment of his life was genuinely in God. He, 
He believed completely, without a doubt, for him to lose to Goliath, Goliath would have to defeat God. And David knew, that ain't happening. It's not happening. The power of faith in God. But on several occasions, the same man who defeated Goliath found himself in very deep valleys. You see, Goliath was not the true giant in his life. It was not. In all honesty, Goliath was easy for David, like I said. It wasn't even a battle. It wasn't. But he had other battles. He had other giants that he faced. It was during the difficult days he had to remind his own soul of the benefits he had with God. There are times when the circumstances of life can seem so overwhelming that we forget the benefits that we have with Him. As David said here, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits. When we begin to forget all that we have in God and all that faith can accomplish in God, depression can hit can lead to despair, feelings of hopelessness. And then you start making decisions. It's hopelessness that leads people to quit. It's hopelessness, even in our culture, they, try, they put all these studies into what leads to crime, and they look from the economic status, and there's, there's, there's players in that. But when it comes to whether, whether it's... But understand, there, there's crime at every level, at every economic status. The truth is, when people see the event, many times they just take advantage of it. The tr- what leads to that ultimately is simply the hopelessness that's just in the vanity of life. It's hopelessness that leads to aimless lives. It's hopelessness that leads to people trying to cover their fear by seeking pleasure and sex, entertainment, work, anything, so they don't have to think about the world that's around them. Trying to fill their time so despair doesn't set in. They need the next high, the next pleasure. Something to occupy their mind away from the reality. We go through times when our soul is genuinely in need. It's during these times we need to remind ourselves of the greatness of God. What faith can do. The Lord, through David in our text, gives some key things that are amazing to be reminded of. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Forget not all His benefits. You can tell by the punctuation. He's going to list them now. He starts off with, who forgiveth all thine iniquities. 
This is the first one mentioned and it's the most important. We are prone to forget the forgiveness of God. And I just don't mean what comes with salvation. I mean what comes in our Christian walk. So often it's our failures that throw us into deep depression. So often it's, 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 it's the stumbles and the, the thoughts hit. And we have forgotten that the forgiveness is there with God. We allow failure to control. It's almost like we desire then to punish ourselves to not let it go. Bless the Lord, O my soul, forget not all His benefits, who forgiveth all thine iniquities. All. So much so, look what he says in verse 8. Let's look at God's forgiveness and how it looks. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, plenteous in mercy. He will not always chide, neither will He keep His anger. He hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is His mercy toward them that fear Him. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath He removed our transgressions from us. If you will come to Him, with those, but with that sin and say, Lord, in repentance I am sorry. He says, I've removed them as far as the east is from the west. It doesn't get any farther than that. It's this forgiveness that helps us in life every day. To be able to get up and have the hope that we can go to the Lord and remember His forgiveness who forgiveth all thine iniquities. And I truly believe one of the most powerful things the Scripture teaches us that leads to repentance is the goodness of God. See, for the Christian, I don't mean in the South, I could use both from, from, of course, salvation itself and then just as we stand before Christ. It's forgiveness that helps us not only for life, but for death. As Paul said at the end of his life in 2 Timothy chapter 4, he said, for the time of my departure is at hand. And as you read that, you know, you know this. He's ready. And the word departure there was interesting that he word. It's a nautical term. It means to set sail. He's ready. I was talking with Brother Steve Brunk and be praying for him with the passing of his mother. And he, he, had, he had called shortly after his mother had passed. And I just love the mercy and grace of the Lord. So th- things went downhill much faster than what they thought. So Steve gets on a plane late. Uh, I, my days are from this last week are just, uh, I don't even know, Monday night, I don't know what, one of the nights this week. So he calls, the pastor, my mom's taking turn with, I'm going to fly out tonight. And so he gets on a plane, he flies out, he just gets there. And he's able to have a conversation with his mom. Know what she told him? I'm ready. I'm ready to go. 
I can't remember what it was. I'm sure when Steve gets back, he'll give testimony to it. It was just an hour or two later, she passed and went to be with the Lord. Just held up long enough. All the brothers were there. Just the sweet mercies and grace of God. Not only does He forgive, but it says He healeth all thy diseases. Keep it in context for understanding. I think this will be helpful. I'm going to support this in another, another section in Psalm in just a second. So don't leave me here. I don't believe this is talking about coronavirus, chicken pox. I don't. I mean, the Lord does that. We know that. There's no question about that. He's having a conversation with what, though? His soul. I don't know about you, but I know my soul can get affected by all kinds of different diseases. Our soul can have a great deal of sickness to deal with. Lust, greed, brokenness, depression, anger, fear, guilt. You know what the verse says? He healeth all thine diseases. He is the answer. The key is the faith in God. There are times you have to remind your soul before the despair sets in to sit back and say, no, listen. In the midst of this, I have to remind my soul of things. You have to understand the power of the faith that is in God, the God of the universe, the God of creation. Look at Psalm 107. I want you to see this there. Look at this here. Start in verse 17. Fools, because of their transgression, because of their iniquities, are afflicted. Their soul abhorreth all manner of meat, and they draw near unto the gates of death. Their soul is diseased. Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble. And He saveth them out of their distresses. He sent His Word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness, for His wonderful works to the children of men. Dealing with the diseases of the soul and the goodness of God. Tying together two key things of the Christian life. Calling upon the Lord, your prayer life, and His Word. God using both to deal with those serious issues that scar and hurt our soul. Don't forget He forgives. Don't forget He heals all those diseases. The power is in Him. The faith in Him. It's not in you. I mean, if the greatest Christian who ever lived said, the good that I would, I do not, yet the evil that I would not, that I do. What does that mean for us? But you know what he realized by the time you get to chapter 8? The power was in God to call unto Him when He deals with us walking in the Spirit. The key was the strength we have in God. He goes on in Psalm 103. 
Not only do we need to remember He forgives. Not only do we need to remember He heals. But do not forget He redeems. Who redeemeth thy life from destruction. Redeem, of course, speaks to bind back. We can apply this, of course, to salvation, how before Adam fell, we were in a right relationship with God, sin came in, separated man from God, sin changed the nature of a relationship with the Creator. We, we are now actually at that point in time in a state the Bible describes as enemies of God because of the separation that sin had caused. And now, the Creator knew a price would need to be paid a payment, a buying back to get us back to that state of a right relationship with Him. Redemption. That price, of course, would be paid by the Lord Jesus Christ. Buying our soul back from the condemnation that it was under. But it also refers to our life in context as we serve God. Boys, I look out. There's really several people we could bring back up through here that could give testimony to a life redeemed from destruction. So often, though, in the midst of things, we lose sight of that. It's God that can keep us from that destruction, who can protect us. It's a matter of that faith in Him. Allowing Him to guide, to guide our choices. He redeems, He heals, He forgives. One of my favorite things is here in verse 4. Who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies. Don't forget. Think, think of the wording that the words are on purpose. Think of the wording here. He crowns with loving kindness and tender mercies. The fact that the Bible is using the word crown here speaks to this being something of beauty, of honor, of dignity. Sin is marred. It's made us wretched. And it's only through what God does that we have great worth through Christ. To the point He crowns us. Notice what it uses here to say, I crown you with this. It doesn't just say kindness. He doesn't say, I, 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 I crown you with kindness, but with loving kindness. He just doesn't give mercy, but tender mercy. Do you see the love and compassion that God has for us? He's such a great God. Your soul needs to be reminded of the greatness of His kindness, the greatness of His mercy towards us. He always acts in a superlative way towards us. Always. 
His loving kindness is always so evident every day by His faithfulness to us in our wretched conditions. It's amazing what God's grace provides for in our life. He crowns us with loving kindness. He crowns us with tender mercy. I assure you, you do not want God to crown you with justice. Mercy, the fact that He crowns us with tender mercy. Remember what mercy speaks to in your life. Failure. It speaks to failure. But His mercies are tender. He knows the battles we have and what we face. And without mercy, no one would have a chance. Lastly, this evening, this is a good one, verse number 5. Here's what else he reminded himself about God who satisfieth thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. There are so many times we need a renewing strength of the weariness that sets in. And he puts it in the context of God is the one who's satisfied. To be satisfied means to be full, so you have need of nothing else. You can convince yourself, I have need of this, I have need of that. But the truth is, genuine satisfaction that fills that feels the human need in all areas, it comes from God. He is the one who satisfies. The contentment that God brings. Is this not what people are always looking for? A measure of satisfaction in their life? The world is constantly looking for this, but they can never be satisfied. Looking to satisfy the eye, to satisfy the lust, it never takes place. This very premise is what the book of Ecclesiastes deals with. It is God is the one who satisfies. Listen, if your soul is looking for a measure of satisfaction outside of God, it is headed for disappointment. You can try and find it anything that, but in this world, it, it, you know, you, you'll find a measure of circumstantial happiness for a short time, and that is it. With everything this world offers, it's just vanity. It's just a matter of time before it's gone. The truth is, we're here. You know, we're here today. Life is so fast. It's amazing how fast time goes. It goes so quick. We're here for such a short time. Satisfaction in life is based on that relationship that we have with God. You can think of those sweet Christians that you have met who virtually have nothing. And yet, when they have that sweet walk with God, the measure of contentment that is there, the sweetness that is there, so it was one of the things that I really, I, I think, had a, 
more profound impact on my life in New Guinea. You know, I, I know we had two churches established during our time there, but I, I, I know the Lord wanted that. That was the purpose of it. But he had, in his sovereignty, he, there was so much more that he wanted, I believe, me to see. To see those who began growing in their faith. I think of a man like Puce, who I still hope to bring here one day. Oh, I would love to have him stand up here and talk. They barely have anything. No power. There's no refrigerator. There's not even a bathroom in the house. Get this, it gets worse. There's not even an outhouse. He would get up to lead songs. Not his shoe, no shoes on. No, that was common there, though. That was common. Not because of poverty. I mean, here we think that. And just so happy. Just so happy. And and the Lord had put my family on his heart from, from shortly after us arrived with all the difficulties we had. To, to, and that was all ordained of God to the day that I realized that I was going to be returning back to Alaska on that phone call to Pastor Roach. I'm underneath my house and, and we're discussing that January, the events that had taken place here. I had called him, him not aware that I believe the Lord was leading us out of New Guinea. I had no idea at all that he was planning retirement at all. No clue. Called him up. Tell him I need prayer. I need wisdom. I gave him the five things going on circumstantial as to why the Lord might be leading us out of New Guinea. And I didn't know where. I didn't know to another mission field. Uh, I didn't know if pastoring in the States. It never one time crossed my mind for a quarter of a second back there to Alaska. Not once. And then he told me about the meetings that had taken place and that he wanted me to call him. I had had a message from Jerry Jordan to give him a call. I just, thought he, I just thought he saw that I attempted to call him because I did that very day and he did not answer. But little did I know, he had no clue that I attempted to call him. And then he let me know, I mean, he let me know that the leadership had asked him to call me, to ask me to pray about coming back to pastor of the church. And he told me, he said, I had been given it one week praying that you would tell me that the Lord is leading you back. So now, picture this. At that moment, I know. There's not a doubt in my mind. I knew it was done. I had what I needed. It was done. Both of us knew on the phone call. It's raining outside. I'm underneath my house. It's raining. Again, the houses are high set in New Guinea. The rain is, it's raining really hard, like a trop. You know how it rains there. There's not the little drizzles. It rains. And while I'm on the phone, Pew shows up. He's not going to come to the house or talk or anything like that. It was a couple weeks earlier, we were just fellowshipping, and I showed him the tree there that I loved. And there he is, planting him at the corner of my fence. In the rain. I'm supposed to be there for him. Know what he learned? And when I learned watching people like him, satisfaction 
is in the Lord. Do you know at times, especially things that rock our world, that satisfaction, that, that peace that comes with that, it's still there in the Lord. He said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Never. It's there. It's with Him. It's real. David here gave himself several things. He said, you know what? I need to have... There's times I have to have that conversation with my Lord where I remember that He forgiveth all mine iniquity. He heals all my diseases. The redemption that He provides. Remind Him that He crowns me with loving kindness and tender mercies. And of His satisfaction. We serve a great and a really, really good God. Even in this sin-cursed earth, we do. Boy, keep your eyes on Him. With heads bowed and eyes closed.